Hello everybody, welcome to our podcast, Geeta, a mantra for success. So, what's the topic for today's podcast? So, today we'll cover Krishna's role as a charity. Okay. Uh, but before moving there, I want to go back to the topic that we covered in our last podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember in our last uh, podcast, we uh, started with Duradhana's mindset. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought a lot about it. Whenever we think of Duryodhana, we think of some dark character, some mean person, right? Mm. A villain. But the reality is there is a part of Duryodhana in all of us. Hopefully a little one. (laughs) We can be arrogant. We can be ignorant. We can Mm. be jealous and envious of others. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, generally we see what others have and we want that too. Yeah. So I think we are more prone to jealousy and judging others' work than getting inspiration from their work. Makes sense. Uh, I think I said that in the last uh, episode, you know, Mm. the Duryodhana attitude comes with a lazy and entitled mindset. Mm. You know, the people who actually take action, they don't have time for being lazy, you know, to judge others. Mm. No matter how someone's work is, as long as they're doing it and they're taking action, then we should have no right to judge them. You know, it's a waste of time as long as they're not harming anyone. Mm. Also reminds me of the movie Ratatouille. Mm. There was this food critic, Anton Ego, the main guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was bitter, mm. so bitter when he criticized others. Mm. Right? But mm-hmm. he has a quote. Mm. Okay, I'm just going to say the quote now. Mm-hmm. He writes this after he eats the food, you know. In the right? end. Yes, when mm-hmm. Rat- Rat- Ratatouille mm-hmm. prepares. So he says, in many ways, Mm. the work of a critic is easy. Mm. They risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves up to judgment. Critics thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to read and to write. It's a great saying, so I thought. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's easy to judge and find faults in others. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it also has to do with the sense of superiority. Uh, You know, many people think they're better than others. I mean, Duryodhana does the same thing. So again, this is uh, again a Duryodhana mindset. Mm. But let's move on. (laughs) Okay. And let's get back to the Bhagavad Gita. So what are we covering today? Today, we will focus more on Krishna's role as a charioteer, as I said earlier. Great, great. Mm -hmm. Go on. So... The war is about to start. Pisma, Drona, Pandavas, uh, Krishna, everyone has blown their conks. <laughs> oh, you mean Shank? Yes. Pum- what are you Mahabharat. doing? <laughs> That's what, is that not how it starts? <laughs> Childhood memories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I think in older times that meant they were ready for war. Exactly. That's how they announced. So perhaps at that time, Bhishma was uh, to commence the uh, attack. I think they were just waiting for Bhishma to say attack. But for some reason, right at that time, Arjuna asks uh, Krishna to take his chariot in between the two armies. And Krishna just does so. He does not question Arjuna. Hmm. Krishna must have thought, you know, what's going on here. I don't know, probably. But you know, what Arjuna says, Arjuna, uh, he, he, he doesn't show he's panicking. He just says like, drive my chariot between the two armies. He says something like, um, you know, I want to see those who desire to fight with me. I want to see who are assembled for Duryodhana. Right, right. Um, so I, I think at that time, I don't think Krishna realized what was going to happen. Mm. You know, in his mind, okay, here is a warrior, Arjuna. And he wants to see who's there on the other side. Yeah, yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. 
So without questioning, Krishna takes him between two armies. And as Arjuna sees Bhishma and Drona and other relatives, he is overcome with sorrow. Hmm. And it happens so suddenly. He does not even think twice. He just starts shouting in despair. Like it's so dramatic at this point. He starts saying, you know, my limbs are growing weak. My mouth is dry. My body is shaking. My hands are shivering. My bow is slipping from my hand. I'm not able to stand. My mind is spinning. All right. So basically he's having a nervous breakdown or a panic attack. Absolutely. Okay. After he describes how he's feeling, he starts saying he's fine if Duryodhana or the enemies kill him, but he doesn't want to kill them because he starts questioning how this war can bring any good to them. Okay. And he actually he was not wrong. You know that, right? Hmm. Um, Pandavas were not happy after the war. In fact, there are so many stories as to how miserable they were after the war. So all those TV serials and movies about the Mahabharata that basically show, hey, the Pandavas won the war, they went back to their kingdom and they lived happily ever after. It's no, a kind no, no. of a fairy tale like Cinderella. They, because <laughs> no, we no. love happy endings. So that's how they show it. But it's not actually true. No, no, absolutely not. Um, sure, if you on. If you read the original book, there are stories about Pandavas' uh, mi- misery even after winning the war. There is a chapter about how they felt when they entered Hastinapur, um, the kingdom that they fought for. And, you know, when they entered the main gate, the kingdom was absolutely empty. There were no men, just widows and young children. Oh, wow. I think the author writes uh, about the vultures. There were too many vultures. Um, there were mm. so many dead bodies. They see a lot of women crying and they're cursing the Pandavas. In fact, like Pandavas also lost all their sons. Well, of course, right. So they can't be happy either. No, everyone died except those five brothers. Everyone died in the in the war. So they were not happy either. So in many ways, Arjuna was right. It makes sense. But the, the dilemma at such a crucial time, right before the war, that's yeah. where it causes a little, you know, confusion. Mm, right? Mm. So this didn't happen to uh, Yudhishthira or Bhima, right? So why? Why Arjuna? Is that what you're asking? Exactly. It's a very, very good question. Actually, there is an implication on that too. Okay. I read it somewhere mm-hmm. and I want to share this author's um, opinion. Please. He says there are three types of people. Number one, the first type, they are wise people. They are born with high morality. They have a strong sense of right and wrong. Uh, it's kind of inbuilt in them. Okay. So Yudhishthira was like that. Makes sense. He was very virtuous. I'm very sure all these questions of the morality of war, I think he already asked all these questions much before the war started. He questioned when the time was right. And when he found his answers, he knew what he was doing. One, so he made paces himself. Okay. Yeah, once it was decided the war was on, he was on board with that. Okay. There was no confusion. Right. All right, so now that we talked about Yudhishthira, let's go to Bhima. Why not him? Now, Bhima is the second type of people. Mm-hmm. I would call him kind of ignorant, dim-witted. <laughs> uh, and I have nothing against them. I think they are just happy being who they are. They are not seeking knowledge or seeking any answer. I think they are too dense for that. Mm. Uh, Bhima was like that. He was very happy just eating. He ate a lot. <laughs> that he did? <laughs> yeah, he did. And he was very clear that he had to kill all the Kauravas. That is fair. So he was just one track man. You know, there was no confusion. I have to kill, I have to kill. Makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Suddenly I, I remember uh, the analogy from Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say Captain America is Yudhishthira. And uh, Bhima is uh, Hulk when he becomes Hulk and he's ready to smash. 
not Dr. Banner, uh. but you know Hulk when he's ready to smash like yeah. in the first Avengers. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Yudhishthira did not need wisdom from Krishna. And with Bhima, it would be like talking to a wall. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it would be beyond his understanding. Yeah, I would think it'll go over <laughs> his head. So anyway, now that we covered Yudhishthira and uh, Bhima, mm. where does Arjun fit in? Is he the wise person, dim-witted or easy in between or is there a, another category? <laughs> I would not call Arjuna a wise person like you, Yudhishthira. Right. Arjuna was a normal human. Right. Someone with emotions. He was very emotional. Mm-hmm. Someone who cared. No. Who went through, you know, different emotions. He was not always hungry or angry like Bhima. Right. But he was not always calm and detached like Yudhishthira. So he was normal. I mean, you know, he, he, he was somewhere in the middle like mm. most of us. So it made sense for Krishna to give his teachings to him. He was ready to learn and evolve. That is very important. Yes. Remember, he was also the best student. He was one of the best students. He was always a good student. Interesting. Never mm. thought of that. Yeah, mm. he was indeed a good student. Yeah, go on. So I think overall it signifies, you know, the wisdom of Gita is for those who are willing to learn. Of course. Uh, those who know of such wisdom, they already know. Yudhishthira right. already knew about it. And those who can't get it, they will never get it. Bhima would never get it. Right. I think I mentioned this in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, that, mm-hmm. but it's only for those who are seeking answers, who are l- willing to learn and uh, are curious and have questions. It's only for them. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Not everybody is born talented. We have to keep learning. That's what Gita says. Okay, great. So, we also, you mentioned uh, the significance of uh, Krishna's role as a charioter. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. But before we do that, let me just ask you a quick question. Mm-hmm. Why did Krishna not fight in the war, but he actually let his army fight uh, for Duryodhana? It was not Krishna's war. To begin with, all the other kings and princes engaged in that Mahabharata war, they had their own personal agendas or they were duty-bound like Bhishma and, or Drona. Krishna was neither. Makes sense. So I remember when uh, Duryodhana and Arjuna, they go to Krishna seeking support before the war mm-hmm. and Krishna says that he's not going to fight. So he basically tells that if they wanted Krishna, he will get him but with no weapon mm. or... You can choose between him and his army. Arjuna was the first one to choose because Arjuna was younger than Duryodhana and he chose Krishna. Oh yes, I remember that. So mm. Duryodhana was really happy with Arjuna's choice because he actually only wanted the army even to begin with. Yeah, he yeah. was just praying that <laughs> Arjuna pick Krishna and he was jumping for joy. Yeah, yes, true. So when Arjuna requested Krishna to be his charioteer, he accepted the proposal. I think one of the reasons why he accepted, uh, Krishna knew that if Arjuna failed, the Pandavas would, would lose the war. Makes and sense. Krishna wanted Pandavas to win. And it made sense for him to be Arjuna's charioteer so he could stay close to Arjuna. Yeah, give him advice, watch over him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was not stuck with his this notion that I am some supreme being, I am God or whatever. Why you know, he never thought like why should I take the role of a charioteer? Yeah, it makes sense. He was not stuck with a rank, title or hierarchy or, you know, things were beneath him or things like that. No, not at all. I don't think you can get stuck with this kind of mentality in a hierarchy. What what do you think? I think there should be a job title, but Mm. you shouldn't get stuck to it. Mm -hmm. So what happens is if you are stuck with uh, high status, low status functions, that's how a system fails. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, generally the job function is there. It depends on your skill set, knowledge, experience needed to carry out. So it's good to, you know have the title but you should not be stuck to it 
So what happens is many times as we rise through the ranks, mm. the ego also grows with us. Mm-hmm. And as our ego grows, mm-hmm. we end up in a weird insulated bubble. We lose touch with the reality. Mm. To get things, sometimes we should be willing to roll up our sleeves. Mm-hmm. And there should be no task, you know, beneath us. Mm-hmm. And that is precisely the role of Krishna as a charioter in this war. Teaches us pretty much. That's the teaching here. True. You summarize it very well. Okay. Ah, thank you for that. <laughs> so, what happens? Uh, does uh, Krishna say anything to Arjuna at this point? No, not not in the first chapter. He's very quiet. The first chapter ends with Arjuna's very strong stand against the war. Hmm. He genuinely believes the war can bring no good, which is true. Right. He thinks he's committing biggest pop or sin. Right. If you remember ahimsa param dharma. That's right, which pretty much says non-violence should be our first dharma. responsibility, first yeah, dharma, yeah, duty, right. for duty. He questions violence. Recently, I was listening to Martin Luther King's Nobel Peace Prize speech, which mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, it's brilliant. I think everybody right, should l- listen to it. And, you know, as I was listening to him, I realized that Arjuna sounded more like Martin Luther King. He says, and I'm going to read it. Nations have frequently won their independence in battle. But in spite of temporary victories, violence never brings permanent peace. Mm. It solves no social problem. It merely creates new and more complicated ones. Violence is impractical because it is a descending spiral ending in destruction for all. Violence is immoral because it thrives on hatred rather than love. Wow, no, that is a really good speech. Mm-hmm. And this is not the full speech. It's just a part of the speech. Anyway, going back to the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna's question, if war is more morally permissible, is very similar to what Martin Luther King said in this mm-hmm. speech. Hmm. That is a difficult question to answer. Yes, it's a very difficult question to answer. I don't know if war is the right answer or not. And that's how the first chapter ends. So Arjuna's questions... His questions introduce the conversation that follows and provide a setting for Krishna's instructions from the second chapter onwards. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're not sure if violence is the answer. No. Uh, we're talking about the Bhagavad Gita here. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens uh, and when Krishna starts talking in the chap- second chapter. I'm just going to summarize it briefly. We spoke about a few things. Who is ready for teachings, meaning who's ready for the wisdom? Mm-hmm. Why Arjuna? and not Bhima or Yudhishthira. One has to be ready for the teachings or wisdom and be open-minded. If not, you're not going to get it. Yep. The other thing we discussed today was Krishna's role as a charioter. Mm-hmm. You know, we also talked about, you know, job, uh, no job being beneath anybody. So one should be ready to roll up their sleeves and be ready to do any job without bringing their ego into questions. With that, we can maybe talk about the mantra for today. I I have one mantra for today. Go on. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful quote from Brian Herbert. Okay. He says, The capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to learn is a skill. Mm-hmm. The willingness to learn is a choice. Oh, wow. Brilliant. So Arjuna Brilliant. made that choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have another quote and mm. this is from the late Kobe Bryant. Mm. No work is beneath you if you want to succeed. Bravo. <laughs> so let's stop it here. And the next podcast, we'll start with chapter 2. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll start with chapter 2, which is one of the most difficult chapters. Uh, because yes. chapter 2 is a kind of overview of the 16 chapters to come. 
Great. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody.